Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now coming up on today's episode is the return of one of my most downloaded guests of all time. I'm thrilled to announce that I'm joined by the amazing Kat Von D. This time round, it's all about music. We get to sit down and talk all about her brand new album, Love Made Me Do It. We get to talk about life on the road with her upcoming tour and just about everything from parenting, being married and everything else you'd expect from the Mark and Me podcast. I love this interview and I can't wait to share it with you in just a couple of moments time. But in true typical Mark and Me fashion, I always like to use the introduction to touch base and talk about my previous episode. It was a two-parter. I was joined by Art Alexis from the absolutely outstanding band Everclear. It was a dream come true to have him come on and the response has been phenomenal. I'm so grateful to everyone that's taken the time to listen. And you know what? What surprised me the most is I didn't realise that some people hadn't heard of Everclear. So I've had some DMs this week and some emails of people that have said, shit, I didn't even know about this band. They've gone and listened to some of the albums and now absolutely adore them. So that's my job done. But let's get back to today's episode. This is huge for me. Kat Von D is beautiful. One of the most amazing guests I ever get. So honest and beats herself from the moment we start talking. And that's all I can ask for from a guest. So I think the best thing to do is to get straight to the interview. So here's me and Kat Von D talking all things music. So Kat, thanks for joining me again on the Mark and Me podcast. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Long time no see. Massively. Obviously a lot's happened since we last spoke. But what I want to do is for the listeners out there is not talk about tattoos, not talk about the beauty range or anything like that. I want to focus purely on your music. Oh, I love it. (laughs) What I want to do is talk about when you were growing up and those early albums that you were buying that made you basically fall in love with the idea of being in a band or just being into music. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it goes a little bit before that because... um, like I always say, like most people know me from the tattoo world and stuff, but they don't, not everybody knows that like music has always been like my number one passion really in life. And I started playing um, music when I was five years old. So my grandmother was a pianist and she classically trained me and my siblings how to play and uh, really strict. Um, she was like a, a strict German woman <laughs> and uh, they make the best teachers. But, um, but yeah, so I, I fell in love with, with classical music, Beethoven and Mozart, Chopin, like all the, the romantics. And um, and so I think by the time I discovered punk rock music, like, I, you know, that was more, I fell in love with the sentiment, I think, you know, because I yeah. felt like an outsider most of my life, even within my own family unit, I really never felt like I belonged. So then I I discovered this music that was kind of like the anthems for outsiders, you know, and so, I, I responded to that, but but as far as the music goes, it wasn't really until I got into metal that like it really resonated with me because I think the classical music his like background, you know, when I listened to like a like a a riff on the guitar, to me it was like very reminiscent of a scale on a piano, and so I I, I could admire that, you know. Yeah. It's not to say that I don't. Um, that I dislike punk rock music, but it's not something I aspire to. I mean, I think four chords are cool and you can do a lot with that, like for with power chords, but like, it's not really, um, you know, to me, it's like when I listen to like Dio sing, I'm like, oh my God, he's an opera singer. And that's something I want to aspire to versus listening to like the germs where they're just like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> 
you know, there, there's, there is a skill to it, but it's not the same, you know? Nice. And so, so then it wasn't until like after that, you know, a few years after that was when I really uh, dove into like more of the post-punk genre. You know, I loved Depeche Mode and Susie and the Banshees and The Cure. And and that to me was like everything I loved into one thing because you know you had the like the nostalgic, nostalgic like analog synthesizer sounds, but then you had like the poetry within the lyrics. And that's what I really like, to me it was like, oh, I, I would get this tattooed uh, all over my body. You know what I mean? Like. And, and, you know, I've tattooed so many lyrics on people and it's like, that's the beautiful, powerful part of music is that it really affects you in that sense. So um, to answer your question, I mean, some of my first records were more in the, the punk rock world. Like my first vinyl record I ever bought was the Plasma, a Plasmatics record. And I, I still love, um, you know, Wendy O'Willens. She's the coolest uh, in my book, but, um, but I don't necessarily listen to that music anymore. Can you remember that age? Because I remember when I was doing a paper round and buying cassettes and getting stuff like yeah. Guns N' Roses and Nirvana. Can you remember those albums that you remember taking out the gatefold and looking at the lyrics and them not just being a song you listen to, but you were really, like you just said, Depeche Mode and people, these incredible songwriters. Yeah. And I'm sure there's stuff like The Smiths and the, all these bands where you're literally looking at the lyrics and seeing them as poetry. Can you remember when you kind of started to see them for more than just the listening of the lyrics? Yeah, I mean, I think I think when it came to discovering those bands for sure. I think that just happened instantly. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons I gravitated towards that, towards that music. It wasn't just the sound. Yeah. You know, it, was, it was like all the things that I've ever felt put into uh, song form, you know, and later on I bought like every, like all the, I think they're called song, song books or song, um, Cure, the Cure put out like- Like all the tab and all the, the, the no, lyrics they themselves. Just, they just put the lyrics, not even- Oh, nice. Tab, yeah. And um, I think they're called songbooks or something. Yeah. But um, little paperbacks and stuff. And I, I mean, I by then I had already memorized all the lyrics anyway. But it's it is beautiful to read um, as a poem versus a song. Uh, although it's pretty impossible not to hear the melodies, you know, on like pictures of you or whatever. So, yeah. But um, yeah, I love that about music. And I mean, classical to grow up on is incredible. Like the the actual depth and the musicianship and just the writing of classical music is something yeah. that most people mature into. So people listen to bands and then later yeah. on in life think, bloody hell, Beethoven and Mozart, but you did the yeah. other way around. And that's pretty damn cool. Like the foundations to learn classic music and stuff is it's fucking awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And I, well, I think a lot of that influenced um, the things that I love the most. You know, I, yeah. I, I was never really... I was never really into like the frilly religious, like, I mean, I love some Bach, but like to me it was more, it was just kind of boring to me versus like Chopin and Beethoven and Mozart. You would, you, it, it, it's the same feeling you, you get when you hear, you know, a Cure song or whatever. Yeah. It's like, because there's, it's, it's romantic and there's frustration and there's, and, and it is actually quite punk rock in a sense, you know, I mean, definitely Beethoven, you know, he didn't play like anybody else. He didn't write like anybody else. And the subject matters were all about unrequited love and um, the frustrations that that surround that. And so, you know, I, I fell in love with his story as well, like his life story versus just the music. So, which which is funny because I don't typically do that with bands now. Like, no. I can't. I don't. I don't. I don't really care about um, people's personal lives. I just love the music. You know, I don't. I don't half the time. Most like I don't really know. Like I, I love Kiss, but I don't really know what they all play. You know. I no. Know, 
you know, and Peter Chris does drums. I know that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> One of them pokes his tongue out a lot on stage yeah, and has yeah. fireworks <laughs> and stuff. But I think that must come with age because I'm nearly 40 now and I'm at a point where I don't know. I just appreciate the music. I don't care about what they're up to, the politics or anything else. Yeah. I just want the sound and my yeah, ears man. and just to enjoy what they've done. And your and your own interpretation of it too, which is nice. You know, like I remember listening to like a Gary Newman song that I thought was about love or lo love and loss, and it was actually about um, love and or loss and death. You know. Yeah. And, and so I love like being able to have my own interpretation of something without knowing who the songs are about. You know, like. I always, when when I do listen to, you know, bands like The Cure or even IMX, you know, which yeah. is how how we met. You know, I remember when I first discovered IMX, I was like, oh man, like, like how lucky would would a girl be to be on the receiving end of a song like this, you know? And who and who knows who that girl is, you know? It's like, and it's sometimes better just to be left that way, and um, you know, you can be a little bit more imaginative instead of being like, oh, that's a, you know, that's after Bridget or whoever, you know. <laughs> But that transition, obviously, of being such a fan of music, it being your life, your everything, yeah. the way you breathe. Now, when does it become the point in your life when you start wanting to write for yourself? Because I bought a guitar, I've been in bands, but I've never made it. And I've I've kind of appreciated that that's just the point that I'll ever be is just doing a few gigs with mates and stuff. But you yeah. sat there and decided to take this as a career and to really you know, put everything into it. Can you remember those days when you had a notebook and you were doing more than just yeah, listening? Yeah, I mean, I mean there, there was a very specific inspiration behind writing music for me. I mean, I always, like you said, I've been, I, I am still the biggest fan of music. Yeah. But it, it wasn't really until um, I found myself in, in quite a, a dysfunctional, unrequited love type relationship with another musician who lived overseas. And he, he you know, he was in a band and at one point he wrote me an album and, and had it delivered to my house and when I opened the box it said um these are all the things that are easier sung than said and you know we just had this um I guess our relationship was based on fear you know this idea of like if you don't play you won't lose and you know sometimes we get so scared of failure that we don't even give ourselves a shot and that's what happened you know so it was like wanting something so badly but not having the courage to actually say it out loud and or do something about it so I sat down and I listened to this album and I was just so moved by it. I thought, what better way to respond than than with an album? Yeah. So, so like everything else I do, it's not like I'm just like, okay, cool. Today I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be a tattooer today and this one. It's like, no, I, I start from scratch. It's like, I know that I need to build on this and need to learn how to do this. Like, I don't know how to sing. Like I, I sang when I was maybe, in, uh, you know, when I was little in the church choir or something, but never had any formal training. So I found a vocal coach and, I did voice lessons for two years, six days a week, two hours a day, and like really learned how to sing. And meanwhile, writing music. So um, the writing part was, I think, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say the easier part because I did have challenges of my own, but um, but that I guess it just came out of me easily. You know, I had so much content to, to write about, um, especially in response to that album. And, you know, life just kind of got in the way of life and I was filming the TV shows and then, going on book tours and then, you know, just doing so much that I kept putting my music on the back burner. So it wasn't until, um, you know, uh, last year after I sold my makeup line, I was like, you know, I, I, I'm tired of just working and that's all I do. And I just want to um, refocus all my energy onto to music and touring. And, and so um, after selling my makeup line, I'd made that time in that sense. And so, 
you know, I think I don't have that many regrets, but I feel like I, I, I do regret not having released this stuff sooner and just getting too caught up in work. And, um, and it's interesting because I, although I, I still love singing these songs and I still believe in them and they still move me in a certain way. I don't have those feelings anymore. And I think most musicians would, you know, have similar experiences. It's like you process a lot of your experiences through songwriting and, but then, you know, that's part of the process and then you move on, you know? So I don't think about that person anymore in any way, but like I'm happily married and I have a son and everything, but, but I still enjoy um, singing those songs and, and hearing them as well. And isn't it weird that if you had done all this 10 years ago, all those songs would be so different to now. You wouldn't have the sun, you wouldn't be married, you wouldn't be happy, you wouldn't be safe. Yeah. Um, yeah. It shapes the person you are. And it's even though you could go back and write this angry album or hurt album, yeah, or you yeah. know, at the bottom of the pile, you, I love the fact that you are putting everything into it now and not saying, well, actually, fuck it. I'll just, I'm not going to bother you. You're doing yeah. it. You're, you're doing yeah, everything you can. Well, like I said, I'm proud of the music. I love the songs and stuff. And I think, uh, it's like it's like tattooing, you know, like people get tattooed and, and they're little celebrations and landmarks in time. And, um, you know, then you move forward and you might not feel the same way that you did when you first wrote the song or when you first got the tattoo. But that's part of growing. And I think that's that's a good thing. You know, um, I mean, I, I may be happy now, but I don't know how to write a happy song. I'm, we're already working on album number two, but I think I have enough things to be uh, melancholy about. That's my favorite genre, really. Yeah. <laughs> And um, last time I spoke to you, I mean, it's probably over a couple of years ago, you'd done yeah. your kind of first bit on stage with IMX and yeah. you'd obviously featured on there. Was that the kind of real first proper taste of how it can be if you go out on the road and you can record and the studio life? Yeah. Was that a really good insight into the well, industry I mean, and how it works? I mean, I've been I've been on tour many times with my friends, bands, yeah. all years and stuff. But that was the first time where I was actually like performing on stage. And, and that was very strategic, you know, like, I had just sang on, I think, three or four songs on that last IMX record, and they had invited me to come out and play a few shows. And so I was like, you know, I'm getting ready to release my album, so I, I want to understand production because I, I love production, to be honest. I love the the behind the curtains uh, yeah. work that goes into storytelling and um, and performances. So, uh, and you know, and Chris Corner is an amazing person to look at because he's very do-it-yourself, you know? and so. And I come from that that background too, where it's like, I'll learn how to do things that are outside of my scope just so I could better understand how to do it. And so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like getting my my feet wet, um, but it's it's just so different when it's not your music, you know? Like now, um, you know, we just had our first, we had our record release party where we, we performed um, a few songs with my bandmates and it just felt so great, you know? It's yeah. like, if, like, like, I know these songs by heart. I know what they mean. I know what I felt when I was writing them. Whereas when I'm singing other people's lyrics, it's cool. I just like lend myself to the song. Yeah, it's not it's not as personal, not really is it? No. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so I think that's why I'm really excited about this. And right now, obviously, Love Made Me Do It is all recorded, it's done. It's You've been in the studio, you've gone through all the emotions and everything. How did you find it? Because one thing I love and really respect about you is you don't do something by half measures. You become yeah. the best tattooist ever. You sit there and now want to put everything into it. It's not like a half-hearted bit of a side project. You've gone yeah. all out. Um, I can see that with everything from the production on stage to what you're wearing, to the music, to the concept art and everything. Yeah. Well, I think I just thoroughly enjoy it. I mean, obviously yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a control freak and I like to micromanage things, but I think I thoroughly enjoy every process the building of something you know so 
it's like even when I built my tattoo shop you know like I before I hired anybody I was the one that cleaned the toilets it's like I know every corner of that shop you know yeah and and, and so even with the the music aspect of it too it's like you know yeah I have a hand in in the the lighting and the you know we just finished filming a bunch of visuals for um our stage show you know for our led screens and i'm working closely with uh linda strawberry who you know she's like the creative director for smashing pumpkins and a few other people but her and i we we tend to love a lot of the same things like the, the finding the beauty in the dark darker side of things and so you know even even for each vignette that we're filming for each song it's like a story within itself and I would always love it when I would see bands like Cigaros, for example, like, yeah. like, you know, they filmed all their content and it's like, I, I mean, I would, I would buy just the visuals, you know, the visuals were always so beautiful and they, you know, they were, they went with the, the music. It wasn't just like a generic stock um, yeah. repeat pattern or something, which is, there's nothing wrong with that either, you know, but, um, but to me, it's like, I like, uh, you know, really writing it all out, I guess. And, um and you know we have like some choreography because i have a, a contortionist in in our band Bryn, and so um there are you know to me it's like about putting on a show you know if i wanted to go and if i wanted to like just watch a, a guy standing at a mic i might as well just stay at home and listen to the record you know and like i want to i like um i like the showmanship of things and plus my bandmates are so, such stars you know it's like i love shedding light on them as well well, the thing is, when you go to a festival and there's these lineups of all these bands, the ones I always remember are stuff like A Perfect Circle or Tool, yeah. where I come away and the visual are, is just as important as what yeah. Maynard's singing on stage. And they're the things that matter. Like you said, I could yeah. just stick on a Green Day record and it's the same band playing those songs yeah. that are on the record. Yeah. So it's it's really important. And I love the way that you've gone and done this concept and the visuals. And you've put you probably put as much time in that as you have yeah. into the music. Most definitely, you know, and, uh, and, but, but like I said, it's something that I enjoy. I don't know. I love it. Doesn't it doesn't feel like work. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are aspects to it that are work, but like, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it's, it's something that I, like, you know, I dream about. So, yeah. So when you go into the studio and you're doing this album, do you put, I, I, I'm sure you're like me. Do you apply way too much pressure on yourself where you end up just trying to drown because you are a perfectionist? You want it to be everything you can. Um, no, I don't, I don't do that. I'm not like an anxiety person, like an anxiety ridden person, because I've learned a long time ago that like enjoying the process is so crucial. Cause like, yeah. what's the, what's the point if you're fucking miserable, you know? And so the way that I, I can do that without having anxiety is just putting in the effort ahead of time. So, you know, even, even for band practices, you know, I do two hours of vocal warmups every day before band practice, you know, it's like, it, um, you know, it's not like, it's it's not like I just overwhelm myself all at once. Like I just kind of do the work as we go, and um, and it's it's very time consuming. You know, I think it's my, my mornings start very early and uh, they're pretty compact. Uh, but and then you know you throw in a kid on top of that. It's like having to make sure I balance out my schedule for family time as well. And um, and it's it's actually totally doable, man. I think that for anybody out there that's like selling people on the idea that you can't do it all like you can I mean there's a way to do it and there's a way to do it happily as well you don't have to be depressed or a drunken mess or anything like that you know it's um 
it's you can actually enjoy it <laughs> i mean you're part of a great team as well aren't you like prez seems to be the most supportive loving guy in the world that's every yeah. photo you're there every gig he's there and it must be yeah. amazing to have that kind of light in your life that's, yeah, that's always fake, rooting you know, like, for you no yeah yeah like uh some people think that you know oh you do this stuff for instagram it's like no like we we actually do comment on each other from across the room and, and send each other kissy faces and you know we have our ups and downs just like anybody else but um but that's very real you know i've never had that in my entire life i've never been with somebody who's um believed in me or supported me if anything it's always been somewhat competitive or yeah. or dismissive you know and um and 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 that's a, to nobody's fault but my own for picking those people you know and not working on myself to get myself to a place where i could choose you know somebody who was deserving of my love and and i'm glad that all of that happened i'm glad the heartbreak happened because it led me to to uh, Raphael, you know and we um we really are a great match and uh and then you know i i obviously never imagined i would have children i that was never in my cards i was like my art is my babies you know my job is and then uh he wanted to have like six kids and i was like no way dude you get one that's the compromise yeah that's the compromise <laughs> six to yeah, one and so, yeah and and he, you know our son happens to be the most perfect amazing cool kid who um you know is no stranger to being on a tour bus and he loves music and he's he loves our friends like you know we were laughing about it the other day because charo during our um during our record release party charo came out and introduced us on stage and later on she was playing with him you know she gave him his first little flamenco guitar and i was like what a charmed life man that yeah. kid his auntie charo is over here and like you know all of the people that are within his his um like his reality are just to me you know some of my superheroes so it's like hopefully if I, I figured if we inundate him with a lot of art and creativity like he'll turn out to to do the same you know hopefully well, yeah and then you can sit back in 20 years time retire and let him be the next you know big rock star yeah or, or maybe <laughs> we, could write, we could write music together you know that would be a dream <laughs> you could produce his album yeah so when you're sitting there and you've got this album finished do you find it quite difficult to translate that to a live show not just the fact of the lighting and all that but actually how you're going to perform because sometimes you listen to a record and it's so produced or it's so polished yeah, yeah. you turn up to the gig and you're like this isn't the fucking band i just bought a cd for this oh, is yeah, you know yeah. it's lacking yeah. loads or it's it's they've got a backing track and it seems artificial how, how have you yeah. done that where you've got this incredible sound on record but you're able i mean you've got a great band but you've got these yeah. people in confidence that you can present those songs just as yeah. well well it's interesting i mean i to your point i do have a great band i'm like they, they are also such excellent um musicians as well as being you know cool people so it's it, it kind of makes our job easy and fun like when we're breaking down the songs which we are doing right now as we prep for our upcoming tour it's like um, I do want it to sound like the record, but I also want it to sound like an amplified version of it, you know? Yeah. So, you know, although we have, um, you know, like a certain synth lead, like uh, we can make it a tiny bit grittier or, you know, a little bit more um, magnified for the live show uh, without disrupting the actual song. And uh, so I think there's little, little, little nuances like that. Um, you know, it's like uh, I, people, I posted like a little clip from the record release party and someone was like, Oh, you're lip syncing. It's like, no, I'm not. Like those backing vocals, like that that I recorded on the record. Sam needs she sings those when we when we do it live. So every sound is accounted for, you know. And um, and I like that because there is a bit of a, hu a human fingerprint on it. It doesn't sound, you know, we are a, an electronic synth band, but you still feel like the soul to it, you know. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I'm a massive fan of bands like Radiohead. Uh, when I've gone to see them live, I've always been amazed that it isn't exactly like the record, but yeah, it's yeah. not it's not lacking. It's not like, oh, God, Tom York doesn't yeah. sound like he does. You know, he's, they're yeah, even doing yeah. the songs off Kid A and stuff that still represent what you've totally. heard at home. It's, it's, it's a talent, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, I think we have fun doing that. You know, it's exciting. Like, Sammy and I will, will, will listen to a song sometimes and we're like, oh, this one's going to be fun, fun to play. You know, like we can hear it. We can see it in our heads, you know? And what about touring? Obviously, we're less than four weeks away from your short yeah. few dates in America. Are you nervous? Are you scared? Or are you just like, bring no, it on? I can't wait now. I'm just excited. Yeah. yeah I'm just so excited. Yeah. And it, we start rehearsals on Monday. So we'll be re rehearsing throughout this whole month in, pre in preparation. And and so, um, you know, I, I feel like, um, I mean, I feel like I would pay money to hang out with my band. I love them so much. So it's like, you know, it's just it's just fun and exciting now. And how was it getting those guys kind of signed up for the band? Was it kind of auditioning or was it friends or how did it work out? Because obviously you're going to be spending a lot of time with these people. So it's important. You just, you know, there's no dickhead. As far as like how I recruited the band, actually, you know, when I met you, um, I had just played the demo for one of my songs, Exorcism, for, to Sammy while we were on, on the road. And she loved it. And she was like, hey, if you ever need to keep, you know, keyboards, let me know. And so she was actually the first person that joined the band and um and then after that i i already knew i wanted bryn in the band and so i just hadn't asked her yet because she had like a residency at the time uh doing some contortion stuff with somebody else so then i didn't ask her until till later and i'm so glad our stars aligned for that because she's really part of our she's like the marilyn munster of our of our little family that's awesome yeah and uh and then greg i met him through through my husband rafa who um he knew him from when he was playing with Cat Power and, and the gossip. And so he came over and, uh, because, you know, here's the, here's the thing, without sounding superficial, I was looking for talent and like aesthetics as well. Yeah. And like, to me that, that is important. Like when I watch Bauhaus play, like, like I believe it, there's a sincerity because they're living that lifestyle. They're not, they're not wearing costumes. Like that's who they are. And so that's what I really, you know, it's something that's important to me. And, I always say like, you know, messy bed, messy head, you know, it's like whatever you're presenting on the outside is very telling of like what's on the inside as well. And so as most of the time, obviously, but um, so Greg came over and I had, I hadn't met him before. And he just was this like, you know, six foot, whatever, tall vampire looking rocker guy. And, uh, and, uh, and I played him a few songs and I just remember well, no, I remember when we went upstairs to go listen to music, we passed by my closet and he noticed that because I, I collect um, like old like concert shirts and stuff. And uh, and he saw one. And he was like, whoa, like you have a Fields of the Nephilim shirt, you know, and I was like, OK, the fact that you know who that is, like I already we're, we're going to be best friends forever, you know, here's the so, contract um, now. Yeah. 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 You know, because it's like uh, he just he got it. And yeah. And so uh, and so he's like the brother I never had. And I, I love playing with him. And we have a little bit of a, a similar approach when it comes to music, whereas Sammy's more from the electronic world, you know, she does a lot of sound design and sampling and, you know, she's like in the Aphex Twins world, whereas like Greg and I come from like playing piano and I don't know anything about computers. Like I just, I'm surprised we're doing this Zoom thing right now. <laughs> like, I at technology, but if you give me an instrument, I can play it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then Dave, Dave Parlay, he's our drummer and he also plays beats in prayers. And so, um, but for prayers, he plays the MPC player, whereas for us, he, he has an actual drum set. And, you know, he has like a, 
a black metal background you know all the side projects are kind of like um melodic black metal and uh and he's got like some more you know uh tra traditional dark wave stuff that he does with his wife and um but you know when i hear his drums i i to be honest i always hear selena like he's got this signature sound that's very selena to me and so it's like together we kind of bring all of our crazy world into one and it, it makes our weird sound <laughs> i was gonna say it's like the massive collective mix isn't it with like you've got a bit yeah. of everything and it works yeah thank you <laughs> it's, it's amazing when you when you start like describing it all you don't you, should, you don't think it's all going to work yeah like i always hear john carpenter like whenever i hear like uh because greg's leads remind me so much of every john carpenter soundtrack and i was like like it's so cool like to just to, to see everybody's like little worlds come into into place like if there's any glitchiness that's coming from sammy you know and uh yeah i love that <laughs> you can't go wrong with john carpenter he's made some of my yeah. favorite soundtracks ever so that's awesome totally. it's a difficult one but do you take any note of any feedback are you reading the comments on social media when you put music out there or are you trying to just ignore and do what you want to do um you know i, I i'll be honest i was actually quite surprised at how positive like the feedback has been because you know i think when anybody uh if you get pigeonholed into or or known for something and then yeah. you step out people, people it just doesn't compute with them and i've always been from the the mindset of like when I look at people like Salvador Dali, you know, he's known for his paintings, but he had cookbooks, he designed architecture, he designed jewelry, furniture, uh, he had a perfume line, uh, he did poetry, you know, so it's like, he wasn't a one trick, one trick chump, you know, and I've always believed that you can, you, you don't have to be limited to some, to one thing, but, uh, and so I think for me, it's like, it, it can sometimes work against me like having n notoriety in another world or another industry and then stepping into something else and it's like but i also understand that that takes time to build but i was actually really pleasantly surprised i was expecting a lot more um i don't want to say haters but like i just know that i'm not for everybody you know like I've, it would be weird if everybody liked me you know like I, the stuff i like is a bit more obscure and um and so I was just, I've been so surprised and shocked at how well it's being received and from all walks of life. And, and that makes me, that makes me happy. I think, you know, when I look at like some of my most darkest times in depression and, and in my addiction, like, um, there are these albums that have gotten me through it. You know, I know as cliche as it sounds, No, but it's true. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, I have like, I know the two albums that I got sober to, you know, that I, st every time I listen to them now, it still reminds me of a time where, you know, I overcame one of the hardest things ever. And so it's like, like, um, you know, earlier when I was saying like, I don't feel these things anymore. Like I used to feel quite pathetic and inadequate and vulnerable when I wrote songs, like I am nothing. But then when I see so other people responding to it in a way that makes them feel less alone, it's like, it's like icing on, on, on the cake for me, you know, it's like, okay, I gl I'm glad you like it. But then like, if I can help people feel less alone, I think that's very cool. I sometimes think, and it must be difficult because I'm talking to you about you, but <laughs> I was interviewing uh, the band thrice earlier on today. And for me, they're oh. one of the best ever. And his lyrics, I don't think he has any idea, Dustin, how powerful his music and lyrics are. So I think a lot yeah. of bands don't. And you won't realize that when you've mentioned those two albums that got you through the darkest times, yeah. there will be somebody out there that will turn to Love Made Me Do It, that will help them not want to kill themselves, yeah. uh, get over a d d awful heartbreak. relationship yeah. or heartbreak. And yeah. 
I bet you forget that sometimes. I bet you forget that you are going to be responsible for somebody out there to help them. And it is their kind of their guidance and their support. And I think not many people realize how powerful music is yeah. when you're so involved in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always known the power of it. Like that's, I mean, that's why I'm so madly in love with it. Yeah. You know? You've got it. You've got it. You, you know, but I don't think a lot of musicians out there realize just like yeah. during COVID and lockdown and yeah. deaths and everything, music has yeah. always been solid. It's been there for people yeah. and it's always there for people. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, everybody, um, there's not one person that walks down the aisle to get married without a song, you know? No. And, so um yeah it's it's it definitely a, it, it's a very beautiful thing <laughs> i'm going to put you under pressure now um yeah. what we do on the podcast to make it a bit different is you get to choose the outro song so what i've done since we last hung out is yeah. put on every single episode so if it's mads mickelson anthony hopkins yeah. or anyone that comes on you get to choose the song but it doesn't need to be one of your own okay, great all right that's easy You've got one already. Wow. I thought you might have about 20 songs that you want to try and whittle down. Then you email me and you're like, actually, I need to change my mind at four o'clock in the morning. You wake up and think, fuck. But what's the song that you want as your outro song today? Well, I feel like um, I've just been so obsessed with Perturbator lately. And um, nice. they did come out with an awesome new album, but I won't pick a song from the new album. I'll, I'll pick one of like their more greatest hits. Yeah. Um, so I would say um, Future Club. Yep. I yeah. thought you'd struggle with this. I thought you'd be like, "Oh God, we need another hour." <laughs> I mean, I could, I could, I mean, go with I mean, that. Otherwise, I I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it more yeah. difficult. That's yeah, the yeah. one. <laughs> and there'll be fans today listening. Obviously, we've got the American dates, and I know the pandemic slows down everything, and yeah. the money, and the finance, and everything else. But yeah. are we going to see you over here in the UK? Do you yes. think anytime? Oh yeah, we've already we've already got routing in May. So amazing. Uh, so the entire month of May. So hopefully everything will be great by then. Um, Fingers crossed. You know, I love, I mean, I miss all my fans from overseas. Like, you know, I used to go out there all the time, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, several times a year. So um, I'm excited to, to be able to, you know, reunite. <laughs> I really do appreciate your time today, Kat. It's been so yeah. good to catch up with you. Um, I can't wait for you to be in the UK. And when you are, I'll meet up and we'll do another one. We'll make that. it a trilogy. Um, oh, I would love that. It would be awesome. So there it is. There's my interview with me and the incredible Kat Von D. As I said, we talked all about the album Love Made Me Do It, which is out right now. You can go and stream it, buy a vinyl, buy a tape, buy an old school CD, whatever you want to do, but listen to it. Genuinely, it's brilliant. I absolutely love it, and I love the brand new remixes we're getting as well, which are also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you stream your music. The album is beautiful from start to finish. It's so open, it's so honest, and I really do believe you'll love it. So go and check it out, and then hit me up on all the socials and let me know your thoughts. I'll share them with Kat, and I know she'll really appreciate reading them. If you really love today's episode, all I ask is you share the episode. It costs absolutely nothing to do. You can go onto your Instagram and you can put it as part of your story or just put it as one of your updates. On Facebook, you hit that share button so all your friends on your Facebook list listen to it and hopefully see it. And also on Twitter, which is the easiest way of just retweeting the episode. It gets a whole new audience to Mark and me and is the best way to get the word out there. So please, you might think you're not going to do a lot, hit that share button. It makes a huge difference. And each and every episode, I see more and more people doing it, and then the numbers go higher and higher. I can say now that October, even though we're only nearly two and a half weeks in, has been my most downloaded month of all time. 
and I think that just goes to show how powerful this is, so please keep sharing. If you've really enjoyed today's episode, I also have a Patreon page. And thanks to the amazing Last Exit to Nowhere t-shirts, each month they give me a couple of incredible t-shirts to say thank you for supporting me. Right now there's some of my favourite designs from John Carpenter and honestly you will not regret it. But not only that, Vice Press, my favourite company out there for posters, have come along yet again and raised the stakes even higher. They've given me some incredible posters, artist-proof prints you can't even buy and limited edition variants you can't even buy. Check out their website and also check out my social media channels because this week alone I'm going to be giving away two variants that are sold out and you can only now get them through my Patreon page. I really hope you've all enjoyed today's episode with Kat. She's an incredible person and I can't thank her enough for taking the time to come back on. And like you may have heard on the interview, I really hope to do a face-to-face interview with her next year when she's in the UK. I want to wrap this up now and let you all know that the episodes are coming through faster than ever. I'm doing so many interviews behind the scenes, which means more and more episodes for you guys at home. I promise the best stuff is on its way and I just want to say a massive thank you again for supporting me. I'll be back in only a few days' time with a brand new episode. So until then, listen to Kat Von D, take care and I'll speak to you all very soon.